Welcome to another edition of Logical, the Gulf region's first and only legal podcast. It's a regular weekly podcast from the Dubai-based law firm HPL, Yamalova and Pleska. I'm Tim Elliott, and as ever, I'm here at the firm's offices on the 18th floor of Reef Tower in Jumeirah Lakes Towers in sunny Dubai with the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalova. And it's always a pleasure. Lovely to see you too. Now, the theme of this edition of Logical, employment considerations and I'll explain what that means. Now this summer's seen some change to work permit laws here in the United Arab Emirates. Government fees, first of all, for somewhere close to 150 services and transactions have been reduced. It was an announcement made in response to a cabinet resolution, number 51, 2019, by the Minister of Human Resources and Emiratization. That was announced on the 10th of July. We'll consider the decision and its impact shortly. First of all, though, perhaps more interestingly, effective the 28th of July, the Ministry of Human Resources and Emiratization announced they've started issuing work permits for establishments recruiting male workers sponsored by families. Now, Ludmilla, previously, work permits were almost exclusively issued to women sponsored by fathers or husbands, a male direct uh, relative. I guess let's start with this. It's going to be a popular move, particularly given where we are in the economic cycle. Times are tight now. Indeed, and therefore this particular initiative and development have been much welcomed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then in general terms, they are introducing and the government continues to introduce more flexible and more uh, inclusive, if you will, immigration policies uh, to encourage people to uh, um, to remain in the country, even with the changing economic tides. And as you rightfully pointed out, um, the times are challenging right now and um, companies are continuing to uh, re-examine their uh, their staff and their hiring practices and uh, more and more announcements are made about uh, downsizing and another round of termination and such. Uh, so these are very relevant um, and, and very real pains that are happening right now for a lot of people um, who have moved here years ago and have uh, called this place their home. Uh, many of us here uh, have uh, perhaps initially come here for what we thought was going to be a short stint and uh, 10 plus years later we're still here and we've built families here so therefore when one uh, breadwinner or one member of the family loses a job all of a sudden it's not so easy to as, as perhaps it was when we just came here to pack up and go back because it meant for many of us this is our home that being said, it's not so easy to uh, to stay in this country if you do not have a job. And it's not just because of the commercial aspects of it, and that is not having an income, but also from the immigration standpoint. Uh, and in historically, it's been easier for women to be here and not work because uh, they, um, um, they have been able to work um, sort of part-time or on a freelance kind of a basis, even, uh, uh, relying or uh, sponsored by their husbands, uh, even when they didn't have a full-time job. So that option has always existed for them. In other words, 
Uh, let's say um, um, a family moved here because the husband received uh, a job and so he is um, he has residence visa and he sponsors the entire family uh, on the basis of, of his visa and now the wife wants to start working uh, part-time so she would not be required to have her own visa she would have been sponsored by her husband but the husband would have given her uh, permission to work um, these are perhaps a little uh, antiquated terms right now, but in administrative um, uh, standpoint, that's sort of what was required. And in most of these cases, and it's still the case today, the visa itself, the uh, the UAE residence visa on the passport, actually would say, uh, if for dependents, for example, wife, and it says housewife not allowed to work. Mm. Uh, but even with that visa and in the for that format of the visa, if the husband would give the wife a simple letter, so basically no objection, I do not object for my wife to work, with that letter alone, she could go and, and work uh, for another company, either uh, part-time or full-time, without having to change her residence visa. And this, for from a company standpoint, was quite a beneficial arrangement for many because uh, sponsoring an employee is a cost to a company, and especially if it's a small business or if a company is not sure about the duration of a particular employee's role. Uh, and uh, having to justify hiring a full-time employee and having to pay the visa costs uh, for many companies, it's it's a it's a consideration that uh, they carefully um, they they carefully thought through or think through, and uh, and for many companies because of it, they just they many cannot even afford uh, to hire an employee uh, because of those additional costs, and sometimes because the number of visas that a company is allowed to uh, to bring their employees on is also limited to um, um, is limited to the company, so it can, it's it's limited to in, in in real terms to the physical office, for example, where the company is based. So let's say you have the company has uh, a thousand square foot office on average. That means the company can sponsor nine people, but let's say it needs fifteen. So you cannot get the additional fifteen people. You cannot sponsor them because your office space that's linked to your company license actually does not allow you uh, does not grant you any more visas. So there are a number of considerations as to why uh, companies are not always eager to sponsor someone, even if they want um, that person to, to work for them. So and so it's been easier for companies to bring in uh, female employees that were sponsored by their husbands because they would not have to deal with the uh, with the immigration uh, process and the visa cost associated with sponsoring an employee. But that particular arrangement has only historically been available to women. As of uh, this last uh, announcement, as you mentioned in July, the government continues to re-examine re its various uh, immigration uh, systems and, um, and, and has offered uh, a more flexible arrangement now even for men. And so uh, that arrangement that we as just described, even though perhaps logically it wasn't quite clear why that limitation existed, but the men could never, you, the, a wife could sponsor the husband, but the husband could not work on that sponsorship. So in other words, there was not such a, there was a concept of a wife granting her husband no objection certificate to work just did not exist. Now, as of this announcement, um, that particular arrangement now is, is uh, sort of mutually extends to either party. I mean, it's interesting as well, isn't it? Because there's historically always been this interdependency of a residence visa and a work permit. So it kind of, uh, I suppose, it clears the way 
uh, in some ways. The times are changing, as it were. Well, for sure, because it also provides for a lot more flexibility. Yeah. And uh, let's say now you've just, um, with, with this introduction of this new visa, you've um, allowed um, half of the population, for example, you've offered uh, this benefit to half the population that was no longer, that was previously not available, which means that the men can now be on their wife's uh, visas and can continue to look for employment or can start up their own ventures without having to apply for visas or they can do freelance and uh, part-time jobs and so so these are options that um, have actually been quite um, uh, quite in demand from both sides from the employee side because let's face it a lot of uh, a lot of employees would love the opportunity to either freelance or to work only part-time but it wasn't because of the immigration laws it wasn't really an option before but equally so for companies it's great to be able to just bring in somebody part-time or on a freelance type basis so it really this particular immigration change is allowing is introducing a lot of flexibility not just to to employees but also to businesses not just to individuals but also to businesses uh, so it's um, it's allowing now a lot of people, given the challenging times in the economy, to perhaps consider setting up their own businesses and starting up their own little ventures without the threat of having to leave the country because they do not have uh, proper visa arrangements. And that's really the point, isn't it? When when times are tougher, you see the government making a real effort to say, look, we are going to take some steps to allow that transfer of labor. Well, indeed. And um, what's important to highlight as well are the previously existing repercussions for violating mm-hmm. uh, these, uh, these laws and rules. Um, and for example, in the past, if um, there's a man that um, well, lost his job, but the family is based here, the kids are going to school here, and the wife has a job, uh, so obviously it's not so easy for the whole family just to pack up and, and leave, and perhaps not not even need for that because the husband could do some kind of work and still bring in income, uh, but um, uh, probably not the kind of work that would um, either sponsor him or. Uh, or a full-time job that would warrant for the company to want to apply for a uh, sponsorship for for the man, and so, but the, yet the husband has skills. Yes. So what could you do in the past? And and if if he were he could be sponsored by the wife, but he could not. He was not allowed to work. So let's say if he were sponsored by the uh, by the wife and he had uh, UAE visa, therefore allowing him to stay in the country. But then let's say on that visa he starts doing some odd jobs. Um, let's say it's uh, website development or um, uh, tutoring of uh, math tutoring or some kind of copyright. So, so various freelance type jobs. Technically speaking, under the previous regime, uh, that would qualify as doing work and doing. And you can only do work in this country if you have a proper visa. And the visa that the husband would have held at that time was a residence visa, but not an employment visa, which is a big difference. And so therefore any kind of work or any kind of employment that he would have been doing while being on that residence visa that was not an employment visa uh, was uh, in violation of, uh, of um, immigration, UAE immigration laws. And the penalties could be quite severe. Uh, for many businesses that and, and individuals that violate immigration laws, for example, for businesses in, and for individuals, 50,000 dirham penalty per violation, for example. Uh, and that's in, in many cases as well, depending on the, 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 the nuances of um, 
the particular um, arrangement, I guess, employment arrangement. Uh, some people have even faced deportation. Uh, so, for example, we've had clients that worked on worked in this country because they could stay in this country, but uh, because of perhaps the, the passports that they held. But um, they were they had a ban on employment, like a six month ban on employment. So, in a case like that, it wasn't just a financial penalty. There was also a deportation penalty that was attached to that violation. And deportation is a very serious offense um, because in ninety nine percent of the cases, a deportation for life, and it's not possible to reverse them so someone like that and we have had clients um, that have unfortunately run um, into trouble with these kinds of uh, immigration laws and who were deported and you know these are fairly young uh, entrepreneurs um, that were not even aware of it but now they'll never have a chance to come back into the country so I mean that's just one Example, but it just shows you the severity of um, of the penalties uh, for violating the previously existing immigration laws. With the introduction of um, of the new law, obviously, it just shows you what a how much we're leapfrogging ahead. And um, uh, considering, obviously, the, the the developments in the business environment and uh, and economy today, this will allow or introduce a lot more needed flexibility. And that is the point, because the penalties were severe. Just for anybody unsure of uh, Durham conversion rate, 50,000 dirhams is something like twelve and a half, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000. So they are uh, hefty penalties. Um, that's changing. So men can now be sponsored by their wives. They could uh, work for a company, full-time, freelance, uh, part-time, whatever it would be, with the official work permit. How do you go about applying for a work permit? What does a company have to do uh, to get one? Work permit is um, basically refers to, in in other words, a a no objection certificate or some kind of NOC from a legal authority allowing that person uh, to work um, somewhere. So let's say it's um, the man with the same example of a man that we're using uh, that that wants to work for a company, a free zone company, let's say in TCOM. Okay. Uh, and uh, so remember he has a residence visa on his uh, in his passport and perhaps it says not allowed to work mm-hmm. so now you've got a visa and you have all the, the residents that Emirates ID but yet it's all based on the concept of okay this is your residence visa but you're not allowed to work so now you have to obtain documentation that shows in fact that you are allowed to work without having to actually change that visa so to do that uh, you need to or you first of all you need to find somebody who wants to hire you and um, be it on full-time basis or 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 part-time basis and that would have to be a company properly licensed in the uae uh, let's say that company is in TCOM. So they would have to obtain a document uh, with that authority, the TCOM authority, uh, showing that uh, that particular employee is now allowed to work here. And it's usually it's called a, um, kind of a, a, an, an entry uh, or right to work with a particular free zone uh, document. Um, so it just, and it usually it's issue, issued for one year. 
Uh, so it's a document that now you will have, and on the back of that, sometimes it, depending on the free zone, sometimes it's a document, sometimes it's a card, and sometimes it's both. But ultimately, it will give that employee either a piece of paper at hand or a card at, at hand that shows, yes, they are now permitted to work in this particular free zone. And so as part of the application, it's it's it's, it's the usual, the company would have to submit it, not the employee, but the company would have to submit uh, the employment agreement uh, and that employee's uh, documents, a passport and uh, the, the letter from the wife uh, and uh, whatever other documents that the free zone potentially may require uh, to register that contract and that employee in their system. Uh, so that now there is official documentation to show that that employee has been registered with, with with that particular authority, and therefore, in the event of, for example, immigration inspection, um, there is a record of that employee, and the authority has a record of uh, of the employee, uh, and so that basically kind of legitimizes um, this employment arrangement, even though your the, the employee's visa would still show residence visa, perhaps not allowed to work. And it's the company and or establishment's responsibility to bear the cost. Yes, in short, yes. Though it's often the companies that want to be to want to pass on that cost to the employee. But under the UAE laws, uh, any costs or any expenses that are um, uh, that uh, that are attached to making that employee work legally in the country are the responsibility of the company. Um, so something like that, in order, if, if a company wants to hire that person, uh, they and to do it legally, they need to apply for all this paperwork. Therefore, by that definition or by extrapolation, all those documents are required by law, and therefore, whatever costs that are attached to obtaining those documents would be the company's responsibility. Though often companies say, "Well, that's it's it's for your benefit that we're doing this," so therefore, it's your cost. But technically speaking, it should be the responsibility of the company. And in the event there's ever a dispute, the courts will always pass those um, costs to the company. It's also, uh, in theory, much cheaper, uh, Ludmilla, now. The the issuance of work permits for establishments recruiting male workers, as announced on the 28th of July, it's now a flat 300 dirhams for a two-year work permit. Previously, it could be between, I think, something like 300 to maybe as much as 5,000, depending on, I guess, category. Uh, yes, that's what's been announced in the media, and we'll have to wait and see how um, this particular implementation of this law uh, takes effect, uh, because the three hundred the three hundred dirham cost is it could just be one cost. Uh, and certainly it has been significantly reduced, but there could be other costs associated with the application. So if you, because the cost we're talking about is an immigration cost, but if you're working for a free zone, you have to apply vis-a-vis free zone. So there will also be free zone costs uh, that will have to be paid as part of the application for um, for this visa. And um, and in most cases, this, these days, the free zone is the one that manages the application for a residence visa. So it's not like the employee will go to immigration directly and will just pay the 300 dirhams and uh, and be able to apply for his or her own visa. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's it's in, with it's, it's the case with most free zones. All the application has to so it's centralized and it has to be done through the free zone. So that's why you need to just. Uh, factor in potentially uh, additional fees that would have to be paid to the free zone to to manage this process 
Um, if uh, an employee is working on the mainland outside of a free zone, uh, it's uh, it's possible there's that the, the relationship with the immigration authorities is more direct. Um, so in that case, the, the cost could be lower. Uh, but because there are several government entities involved in this process, uh, it's um, it, we're not quite certain yet uh, how they may adjust their prices in light of uh, the uh, in light of the re- reduced fees uh, from the immigration authorities. Uh, so it's just we'll have to wait and see how it further develops. But uh, certainly, uh, the fees and the fees in the general tra- trend and the general objective is to reduce the fees and to make this process more affordable. Employment considerations is the theme of this podcast. There were two announcements in the summer: the uh, issuing of work permits for male workers sponsored by families, 28th of July. Just prior to that, government fees something like almost 150 services uh, and transactions, they were reduced as well. That was a cabinet resolution. Um, Let's just consider that. I mean, hopefully it should mean that recruiting, employing workers uh, will become slightly easier financially uh, for companies. You'd imagine that that is a move that should encourage uh, uh, recruitment and employment here in the area. It should be a good thing at a time like this. Well, and presumably that's exactly the reason for why this change came into effect uh, when it did. Uh, and uh, as we're uh, approaching the expo just a year from now, mm-hmm. uh, this certainly is a very welcomed development. And we do hope to see uh, more, I guess, diverse employees entering the market just because of the availability of these more flexible arrangements. Uh, we anticipate that perhaps some people may even want to leave their jobs now and start doing more freelance and part-time jobs. Uh, the need that has existed in this market for quite some time, uh, both, as I mentioned earlier, from the employer's standpoint and from the employees. Um, so perhaps with this change, we will see more, uh, more flexible working arrangements and more diverse employment um, roles. Ludmilla Yamalova is the managing partner of the Dubai-based law firm Yamalova and Pleska. As ever, Ludmilla, huge thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. That's it for another edition of the Logical Podcast. Don't forget, if there is a specific question you'd like to answer or get an answer to, get in touch via lylawyers.com or via any of the social channels. We'll try to answer queries you might have in a future edition of Logical. And if you'd like a legal consultation, lylawyers.com is the best place to start. Just hit contact. Contact.